On this episode of On the Wing with Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, we are going to chat with the entire Rooster Road Trip team to get a preview for the uh, trip to South Dakota for the ninth ever Rooster Road Trip. It's our online hunting adventure where you can live vicariously through a group of Pheasants Forever employees as they tell the story about how your membership connects to better hunting opportunities, public land, and quality habitat. Follow along. You can follow along at roosterroadtrip.org, all of our social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But here you go. Here's the preview for the from the Rooster Road Trip 2018 crew. Coming up at next. Welcome to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's On the Wing podcast. We got a very very special episode for you here today it is rooster road trip 2018 south dakota here we come 100th anniversary season or the 100th hunting season in the state of south dakota this episode of pheasants forever's on the wing podcast is entirely focused on rooster road trip and what better way to celebrate Rooster Road Trip than actually uh, having on the Rooster Road Trippers? And, you know, it, it would be natural to go right to Anthony Houck, the, um, the creator um, from which this idea was born, conceived, germinated, stolen, uh, all of the above. Uh, back in 20, I guess it started in 2010, the summer of 2010, you had this idea. So let's Let's jump there. The, the regular um, on the wing co-host, Anthony Hauk, uh, director of public relations. How did Rooster Road Trip get off the ground? Yeah, I don't. I <clears throat> I, I can't take a ton of credit. Um, all that. All oh, that, that is no, huge. No, I, I'm that not. That huge. Here, here's the preface. thing. Here's the thing. Well, I could I could do some revisionist history and and really um, toot my own horn. But at that time, we'll go back. Maybe some people, some listeners will remember, like, uh, e- once upon a time, ESPN Outdoors had, like, well, they, ESPN had an outdoors section, right? They right. don't they don't even have that anymore. And they did this this duck trek, right, where uh, they just kind of hunted across the country and shared stories. And, and, and that seemed different at that time, like mm-hmm. a decade ago. I mean, the, land, the landscape of media and sharing stories has changed so much, but that was a cool idea. And, you know, I just, I thought, well, we could replicate that just kind of looking for we being pheasants forever, like, and we could put our own spin on that. Um, you know, imitation kind of being the sincerest form of flattery. So, I mean, that was kind of the genesis of it. Um, and I think we, you know, we did put our own spin on that in, uh, you know, coming up with our own name, our own theme, you know, the, 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 the thing that separated, uh, our own rooster road trip is, um, at least for those first five or six years, you know, I struggle to remember is um, we focus strictly on on public land or publicly accessible land, you know, um, permanent land and then walk-in areas. So that was like one distinction that set us apart. But then the time frame too, you know, hunting five states in five days. Now we're going to be hunting South Dakota and, and traveling around to like seven or eight different spots. And that's going to be cool because South Dakota is a big state, we're, but those first few years, um, you know, hunting five states in five days, like 
I don't, I won't even do that anymore. That's like, that's like not safe. It's literally like, don't let your kids try this at home. But we, we, we did that, Yeah. you know, and like, I mean, started a week in Kansas and then went. Oh, see, we made that mistake the first year, remember? So in year 2010, we started yeah. in North Dakota. We got the furthest away yeah. when, the, when well, the deal ended and had to drive all the so way home. So you're driving a couple thousand miles in a week and then still trying to do work and uh, and hunting along the way. And then as we go and add more dogs, you're you're trying to take care of dogs. And so it, we can get into all that. But, yeah, that, that was kind of the, uh, um, you know, the – the the uh the origins of it yeah. and then um you know this is here we are i guess almost a decade later and i will say this you know the 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 other part of it is like i'd love to sit here and just say that you you know i wanted to as a pheasants forever storyteller like you know do all sorts of things about the organization but i was i was pretty young in my career here it was mostly just like well i hunt public land my coworker andrew hunts public land and the few, you know, the people that we connect with, they seem to make a distinction too. Like, you know, they send in photos, they'd note like, you know, I got these birds on public land. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it seemed to be a thing. Yeah. And you see, so you try to capitalize on a thing. But then what happened over the last decade is I stayed here. And so I understand, I understood how important Pheasants Forever was in, in public lands and publicly accessible lands. And so we were able to incorporate more of that into our storytelling Number two, we lost a buttload of habitat <laughs> in a decade. Right. Like, you know, in the heart of pheasant country, probably, I mean, numbers are hard, but I mean, we're talking maybe nine, 10 million acres, something like that, and in kind of the range where we're doing this trip. And that made public lands even more valuable. I mean, most of that, I'm talking the habitat loss being private land, you know, CRP coming out. And um, then the third thing I think is, that there kind of was a public lands movement that's been born in that time that maybe didn't exist as it did like, you know, nine years ago. And I think that's from a couple things, you know, first that combination of habitat loss in this part of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then there's been forces at work that are like anti-public lands, Mm -hmm. particularly (laughs) out West, but even in, but yeah, they, they exist in pheasant country. And so we can maybe talk about that too, but they, that's arisen. And, and then, you know, a public lands, I mean, if there's one issue that binds hunters and, and sportsmen from all walks of life together, it's this, this, this budding and growing public lands movement. And, you know, it's kind of cool that I guess the rooster road trip was, was there, um, you know, maybe before it was a little bit as fashionable as it is now. And, mm-hmm. and that's not a knock on it. I'm happy it is, but, right. um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the quick skinny on the trip and, and where it fits. Yeah. So, so Anthony, Anthony Houck, uh, director of public relations, been on every other, every single rooster road trip. The other person that's been on every single rooster road trip is our director of marketing, Andrew Vavra. Um, and Andrew, you know, in addition to the public lands piece, you know, the thing that I think has been near and dear to your heart about Rooster Road Trip is being able to show that connection uh, between a member's dollars and, um, you know, results on the ground. But then also the fact, like, you got to lace up your boots and get out there. There are birds to be found. Like, you deal with a ton of member interaction and, um, you know, it's it's putting the proof where 
our mission's mouth is? Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty accurate. I mean, one thing Anthony kind of left off when it came to the genesis of uh, this whole insane Rooster Road Trip con- concept um, was it was almost kind of a, a battle back at some of the apathy that we were seeing online. Uh, you know, people can get pretty candid when it comes to, to Facebook and other online outlets. And we just kept on seeing time and time again, uh, you know, people just saying there are no birds out there. There, there are no birds. What are you guys even accomplishing? I like, I'm not even going to go pheasant hunting this year. Uh, there's, there's no point. And so basically Anthony and I wanted to just kind of do it. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll prove you. We'll prove otherwise. We'll prove that you're absolutely wrong and that, you know, you can get out there, you and your dog on any piece of public land, you know, in pheasant country, that's a decent piece of habitat and find birds. I mean, we were young. I mean, I was, I think, 23 or so on, on the very first one. I had a five-month-old puppy. I would like to point out the fact that my dog is the only dog to have been a part of every single Rooster Road trip up until this point, and she will be along this year as well. Um, <laughs> but we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, I'm out there with a five, five-month-old puppy uh, hunting nothing but publicly accessible lands, and we were finding birds. Um, and you know, you, you brought your, your puppy had some health on help on that trip. I'll point out since, since you get she, to she, post she, she, a little she, she, bit, she wasn't alone. There was a lot of good dog power, you know, your GSPs included. I, I would, <laughs> I, I would hate to ignore those, but you, you did hit the nail on the head. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome as an organization to say, yeah, you know, we, we've impacted more than 17 million acres across the country. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. It's an important number. Um, but sometimes a visual representation of the work that our chapters are doing and what we're accomplishing as an organization is a lot more powerful. It makes a lot larger statement when we can actually, in in basically real time, say your membership dollars in one way or another went to produce this publicly accessible habitat. And it's not just marginal, you know, seas of canary grass and brome. Like this is high quality stuff that holds birds and you can get out there too. Um, And so that's, that's been one of the more important and kind of inspiring things about the Rooster Road Trip for me. So if, if a listeners out there, I'm, I kind of jumped right into, you know, talking about what Rooster Road Trip was as a concept. So let's pull that together. You know, in 2010, we were, as a marketing team, talking um, about, hey, there's, there's members that want to see the opportunity to find birds out there. And I want to understand better where their dollars go. And part of that is through public land acquisitions, through walk-in programs. So this event kind of coalesced in that we um, that we termed the Rooster Road Trip or have branded Rooster Road Trip. Um, it's a hunting trip for us to tell our story of the organization along the way. Um, to connect the dots on membership, to mission, to habitat, to public lands. And then also to have fun. I mean, that's the thing that you can't lose sight of the fact, um, you know, from a Pheasants Forever perspective, we're celebrating, um, you know, those times in the field with family, with friends, with bird dogs. And to tell that story that connects so many people emotionally to the mission. And that's what resulted in this thing called Rooster Road Trip, which has occurred every year online. Um, through primarily through social media, there's there's been uh, Facebook posts, videos, blogs, tweets. Um, occurs for one week out of the year, and then this year, it's going to be October. Help me out with the dates. 
October it's the, the third third week of October. Third week of so we're we're leaving PFHQ on the nineteenth. We're gonna have some fun out in the the national grasslands over the uh, is it October twenty two, and it officially starts October twenty second. So uh, people can go to roosterroadtrip.org or just uh, check it out on Facebook or Instagram and uh, follow along in a semi live slash live fashion. So it goes live Monday, October the twenty second, and runs through the duration of that week through uh, um, October twenty seventh. To 26th. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing my math uh, on top of my Monday head. through Friday. Monday, Monday through Friday. Friday. 20 seconds to Follow start. along during the work, 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 work week. week. Yeah. <laughs> so um, as we set, uh, set the stage for Rooster Road Trip, part of it is um, knowing your storytellers. We, we touch base uh, with Anthony Houck and Andrew Vavra, but I'd like to go back to Anthony and um, give kind of part of your Part of people understanding your perspective is where you grew up, what what kind of dogs you hunt with, so they know when they see a photo of Sprig, they know whose pup that is. And give us, uh, you know, your background and your your biography. You bet. Uh, so I am a uh, Western Minnesota native, Lack of Pearl County, Madison, Minnesota, to be specific. Um, that, which is, yeah, you know, it's it's not a there's probably like 25 Madisons in in the world. I mean, you hear Madison, I suppose most people think Wisconsin, but pheasant hunters, you know, at least in Minnesota, know that you can go out that direction and it's some pretty good pheasant hunting. So I grew up um, on a kind of semi-working farm. My dad had a regular job, but, uh, you know, we had livestock. And um, so I, I kind of I look back and think of myself as a farm kid and I was able to, um, you know, kind of have the run of the place, grew up hunting, uh, fishing, um, and, you know, went off to, to college and, and, uh, you know, that was kind of a period where, um, maybe got away from the outdoors a little bit, uh, didn't, you know, was kind of a little bit directionless, but decided to, uh, get a journalism degree and, and then work down in, uh, in South Central Minnesota for a couple of years, kind of, um, I guess a glorified internship at a really small newspaper and, and, and then, you know, was able to, uh, you know, find a gig here at Pheasants Forever. And that's just kind of been where I found my place. Um, and so I've been here, you know, this is a dozen years and, uh, kind of have grown up, uh, along the way and, uh, am still, you know, lucky to have family out you know, that, that, you know, my brother farms, uh, my dad just retired and still lives, so I get a, I, you know lives out there with my mom and on the same place. And we get a, you know, I, I get to travel a lot, um, you know, for my job, and then you know because I like to my own personal hunting, but I still have that place to always go back to, um, to you know kind of enjoy. And uh, you know, there's a good pheasants forever chapter there. I, I'd probably be remiss if I um, didn't met. You know, my dad was a, a chapter president for a long time, um, long time board member of the Lack of Pearl chapter. Uh, it's a good chapter. It's an active chapter. You know, there've there's been six new wildlife areas that have happened in that area, largely because of that chapter. These are places that I can go out with. You know, I have two. Now I have two field bred English cocker spaniels. Um, so you know that it, it's kind of you know sometimes it's hard to separate your your work from your personal life at Pheasants Forever, and that's kind of I mean Pheasants Forever just kind of becomes part of your identity. Mm-hmm. You know, for my dad it was. He, you know, it was in a volunteer capacity for me. It gets to be professional, but I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference, <laughs> you know, probably a lot of our volunteers would feel like that too. So, yeah, 
That's yeah. that's the skinny. There's not a whole lot of kinda. It becomes part of your identity. You yeah. Know? You yeah. Can, we all, um, you know, around this table live the the mission. You know, we've sure. got a lot of a lot of heart and soul. Well, and I'll just say, like, you know, that's fine. I'm fine with that because I realize how lucky I am. My 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 dad won't feel bad if I say this, but it wasn't. You know, his day job was doing insurance and being a broker. And he did a good job at it, and he's retiring. But that wasn't his no, – no, like, your dream isn't to grow up and sell insurance, right? <laughs> but he got to live – you know, that was the trade-off is he got to live in a great place. And, uh, you know, I, we just got to get Pheasants Forever's office moved to, like, I don't know, Pierre, South Dakota maybe? No? <laughs> We've got some people shaking their heads. Well, that's the country in me, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next uh, introduction is Andrew. Do you want to move to Pierre? Uh, not currently, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that in a few years I wouldn't be open to the concept. We'll, we'll see. Oh, you'll warm up to it. Um, it's, it's funny for, for as much as Anthony and I have in common, you know, both being flushing dog aficionados and, you know, sitting probably 15 feet away from each other, eight hours a day, five days a week. Uh, our origin stories are very different. Uh, I am, I am a city kid born and bred, uh, grew up in the suburbs of, of St. Paul, Minnesota, went off to college. Uh, immediately uh, came back to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and, and that's kind of where I stayed, and I, now I reside uh, just west of, of Minneapolis in a first-ring suburb. So for as much uh, as he was able to grow up uh, out on the range, I was uh, spent in the cities uh, during the week and then scrambling uh, westward and, and north on the weekends. So my perspective has always kind of been uh, I, I don't own land, but I, I know I can go find some to use. Uh, and that's where working for Pheasants Forever has been kind of a dream come true for me because I uh, just kind of played into, into who I was. Um, and, and to be honest, um, before I, I started at Pheasants Forever, I started right out of college uh, as an intern. I saw a posting for an internship up on a cork board uh, in my uh, communications hallway. And I was like, well, I'm involved in Ducks Unlimited, you know, involved in the local uh, college chapter because at the time I was pr primarily a waterfall and, and, and big game guy. Um, but I, I understood the importance of conservation and I knew who PF was. And I was like, well, that seems pretty cool. Go check that out. And lo and behold, Anthony was the guy who actually called me and gave me a little on the phone interview and kind of scared me into wearing a, a full suit for my <laughs> interview as, as for an internship. And Still get uh, well. Still get ribbed for that today. No, no, um, listener, <laughs> listeners out there, wear the suit. It's yeah, important. That, that pinstripe power suit. It, it worked because I'm I'm here a decade later. Pinstripes. Pinstripes. Oh, so no. so you're hearing the voice of uh, Emmy Marrier. <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get to her origin yeah, story pretty well, quick here. It's 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 like a double edged sword because how do I want to put it? Like you, you, you should wear a suit. Like if you're, if you're listening to this, like you, you, when you go to a job interview, just wear a suit. Mm -hmm. You know, we still, we, I, I still have interns, you know, and Andrew was my first won't be, you know, we, we just, we have one working here now. Q Quentin Q he's our intern. Great guy. He wore a suit. That's the way you do it. But we got some people, you know, so I have some intern candidates that don't wear suits and I'm like, what are you thinking? But Andrew comes in like the only other guy I saw who wore a pinstripe suit like that was Deion Sanders. Okay. <laughs> it's true. I had big shoulders. I probably like, had, had another a, 30 pounds like, just on my go, frame. Go, if you're, if you're a guy, you go get like a black suit, you get a Navy suit, maybe tan, right? I mean, yeah. maybe depending on your complexion, but Andrew comes in with this like pinstripe power suit and I'm like, 
primetime Deion Sanders, what's up? Like, of course I'm going to hire him. Well, I, had, I had the counteract, the hemp, the hemp necklace and the Beatles haircut that I was also rocking yeah. at the same time. So to uh, to put a bow on this, though, <laughs> and to get away from my, my fashion choices. Um, Which have significantly changed, by the way. Uh, I still have the suit in the closet. I bet I could still squeeze into it. Yeah, right. But uh, long story short, you know, People, people assume, you know, when you work for Pheasants Forever, it's like, oh, man, you must know where all the hot spots are. You must have access to, to all this private land. And it's like, no. Um, <laughs> Anthony was actually stupid enough to point out some good public pieces by where he grew up, and I've been hammering those ever since. Um, well, but- that's – and to your point, most of us, um, you know, we – we put all of our time on those public lands and do not try to call in any favors to try to hunt any cherry spots. That's just not something ethically we want to take advantage of. Yeah, and it's it's also who we are in terms of we're kind of all do-it-yourselfers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I raised my bird dog in a series of apartments and condos. I think I moved every 12 months since graduation. Uh, so knowing that you can successfully raise an, an okay bird dog in an urban setting and still go uh, fill your game bags on the weekend, and that's that's what gets me jacked. And it's 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 one of those things that seems counterintuitive, but you can have it all. You don't have to live in the middle of nowhere to to be an upland hunter, and I'm kind of proof of that. So up next, she she um, she couldn't help herself, wanted to get into the conversation early, but we're going to give her the full microphone opportunity now. The second woman to uh, join the Rooster Road Trip, Elsa Gallagher, uh, being on the – well, Logan and I were with Elsa in 2013 or 14? 14, 2014. We were in Colorado – um, I was sick as a dog in the side of a ditch from food poisoning. We had a lot of things come up on that Oh, trip. that was a messy trip. Uh, but we were in Colorado, Kansas, and Nebraska with Elsa. Emmy is number two. Uh, Emmy joins South Dakota Rooster Road Trip. Welcome, <laughs> Emmy. Tell us a little bit about your Thank you. upbringing and uh, how you came to Pheasants Forever. I started at Pheasants Forever as an intern, and from there... I moved into my marketing position with membership, and it's been a definite adventure from there. I started with my hunting background as part of my family connection. I've got rural roots in Hugo to the feed mill. However, with urban sprawl that's happening now, the feed mill is actually transitioning more into a hardware store. So I've kind of been that halfway generation where... I was introduced to it, but it was phasing out as part of that culture, and I didn't really pick back up into it until I landed this internship. And it was one of those things where I'd already done my hunter safety. I was familiar with the brand, but I was not someone who had gotten involved in shooting. At this point, my family's dogs had all passed away. My dad hadn't gotten another bird dog, so I was kind of reborn into that culture through this position that I landed and really learned that it's still thriving and something that I definitely want to be a part of. So with that, I at the same time was learning about where the brand was at at the time for membership specifically, as that's my focus. Yeah. Um, bird dogs, 
I caught on how quick and important <laughs> that a bird dog is. Pretty easy to catch on when you come into this office and there's yes. bird dogs everywhere. And it, it, pretty quickly, you know, Emmy would make the rounds from bird dog to bird. Because <laughs> I think Esky was a, a youngster, a puppy when you started. Yes. I tried to take her on walks and she didn't want to go yeah, on walks with me. <laughs> yeah, she, she was... She still is not a leash walker, but no. we'll leave that for another podcast. But <laughs> Emmy would go from cubicle to cubicle or baby gate to baby gate because yes. we have baby gates in, in front of the doorways. <laughs> and she'd say hi to Anthony's uh, cockers and my short hair and Andrew's lab. And we have so many different breeds. And, and you know, you, you could see quickly, like, it wasn't going to be long before Emmy was going to have a pup of her own. <laughs> But you, as usual, right, you, you create, you grasped, grasped onto that individuality and you found the perfect bird dog breed for you, which is? A flat-coated retriever. And his name is Lux and he is three and about to be on his third season as it will also be my third season. So the moment that I landed the full-time gig, I was looking at flat coat breeders. (laughs) That is a a reality there. (laughs) Which is is just a beautiful dog. And um, as as listeners know, I'm kind of a bird dog named Snob, admittedly (laughs) so. Uh, But I love the name of your pup, L-U-X, which means? It's short for luxury. And the idea is that he is a life luxury for me to have. At 23, it's not common to be able to get a puppy, bring it to work, and be able to have that yeah. experience. So, and he's being a pain. It's to remind <laughs> myself that it's a life luxury to have a bird dog. That's a cool perspective. And that bird dog of yours has been on some adventures uh, with you and with dad <laughs> in the last couple of years. Indeed. So, again, with that background, my dad's perception was I hunt local. At that time, I hunted the family farm, connected to the feed mill. We knew local farmers. Um, That's how he got out, had his own dogs. At this point in time, again, with that urban sprawl, we don't have the same bird populations or the perception is that we don't. So when I tried to talk to my dad about getting a family bird dog again, it was that there's nowhere to hunt and Mm -hmm. the birds aren't here. So I encountered that and turned it into, well, all right then, life luxury, I'm going to get my own bird dog get into this, find places to hunt, there's public lands. But I really did know about that from working at Pheasants Forever. My family perception, no one hunts pheasants anymore in my family. And I've really been that next piece that's picking up. And that's because, hey, you can come into this, want to do it, get a bird dog, get a gun, get some walk-in access Mm -hmm. maps and find public lands to just go romp around the prairies behind a good-looking bird dog and figure it out. And it's been really fun to show my dad that too and get back into adventuring with him and be able to go out and flush roosters. Yeah. So in a microcosm, you've, you know, you've reactivated your dad as part of the R3 movement. Indeed. And I actually introduced him to a new upland species in our second season. I decided to chase quail again, had the help of some coworkers knowing that there's public land in other States too. Mm -hmm. And you can get involved with those maps I mean, they'll send them to you. So we <laughs> we did that and went to Nebraska and actually chased quail and had success there. And it was wonderful to see the smile on his face, yeah. especially a mixed bag hunt, too. I mean, there's just as many pheasants as there was quail in southwestern Nebraska. And, and you know, having it be your first experience with quail, it does, it does um, make the quail forever side of our 
organization incredibly um, more personally relevant, right? Most definitely. Yeah. When you can experience that flush (laughs) behind your own bird dog with your dad by your side. The bird that I took luckily was a single because I was absolutely useless when it came to the (laughs) cubby flush that happened in front of me. I don't, I don't even know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're, they're a spectacular bird and hopefully you get to experience a couple of additional new birds on this trip because pretty good chance that uh, Lux will smell a prairie chicken, maybe a sharp tail, maybe a hun as well. And I have not ever chased any of those. It'll be new. I guarantee that I'll be trying to figure out what's a grouse and what's a hen pheasant. I've been assured that you can tell the difference, but it'll take a few flushes. And I'm excited to have that opportunity as well. It'll be terrific to to be able to look at uh, Rooster Road Trip road trip easy for me to say right (laughs) through that lens and in the fact that you talk with members and and write our our renewal letters and work with our members every single day it'll be really interesting to make that connection too between those member dollars and um, you know that land that's out there but then the interaction with the dogs and just that experience so welcome aboard rooster road trip 2018 (laughs) the hundredth season of pheasant hunting in south dakota Thanks, Emmy. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving down the down the line of the table, we will go to the second Labrador owner on Rooster Road Trip. Andrew um, has has Bo, who has been on every single Rooster Road Trip, a yellow lab. And uh, Logan has been on every road trip since 2014, yep. and which means Aspen, another Yellow Lab, has been on um, every road trip. So will be our fifth. Fifth. Yep. So tell us, uh, Logan, what you do for the organization. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm the graphic design manager at Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever here, um, specifically on the road trip. Yeah, I, I kind of live behind the lens with um, Jake Schiller. I, I focus more on the photography aspect. Um, you know, try, try bringing some good visuals to our trip. Um, you know, as far as my start, you know, in, in pheasant hunting, the upland world, um, I gotta to give all the credit to my dad on that one. I grew up small town, um, kind of like Anthony, but in the Southeast portion of the state, um, where primarily pheasant numbers are, are significantly lower. Southeast portion of Minnesota. Yeah, yep. yep correct. Um, so Spring Valley, um, name of the town I grew up in. Um, home to an outstanding smelt feed. If, you, <laughs> if you're ever in the area, that's put on by uh, Logan's it's, dad. It is, yeah. It's epic. Yep. So uh, we actually, only only county in the, in Minnesota without a lake. So our focus is that right? on, on bird hunting. It's a fun little stat. That's that's what I tell everybody to, to kind of relate um, to our area where huh. I grew up. So um, my dad is uh, the coach of the um, local shooting trap shooting team, high school trap shooting team there. Um, he's very involved with um, firearm safety, um, firearm safety trainers. So it's kind of been instilled in my lifestyle growing up. Um, you know, kind of always he's always taking me out in the field. We would travel out to South Dakota every year um, on a on a pheasant hunt, annual pheasant hunt. Um, you know, so I, I'm ex- extremely excited to get back out to South Dakota. Uh, it's been quite a few years. I uh, went to school, um, graduated college, and I actually took a job in Colorado. So I've been do, I did that for four years, um, came back and finished school at UMD. You were a hunting guide in Colorado. Correct, right? yep. For, yep. for elk. Big game, yep, yeah. elk, antelope, mule deer. Um, so I transitioned out of that after four years, finished up my degree at UMD, University of Minnesota Duluth, um, applied for an internship here at Pheasants Forever, 
and uh, got offered a full-time job. Yeah, so you had uh, here spectacular timing because as you applied <laughs> for an internship, the person in that role was uh, departing for another job. And I interviewed you and I said, you're better than, you know, you're ready to go. <laughs> we don't even have to hire you as an intern. Yeah. I didn't realize. So we have, you know, three people with sort of internship roots here. Yeah. So it was, it was a blessing. And I've, you know, it's, it's kind of a lifestyle like everybody's pointed out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about being here, being a part of the trip again this year and um, bringing what I can to the table. So, so for listeners, um, if you've seen web graphics, social media graphics over the course of the last seven, eight years, um, many of those are the, uh, the fruits of Logan's creativity. And um, all, almost all of the photography that you've seen from Rooster Road Trip after uh, the last few years have come up from photos logan shot has shot so he's a quiet guy but man can he tell a story through the lens so thanks Bob. yeah um the the other guy that lives through the lens he's not very bashful though <laughs> he's got a big big personality he's the producer of uh our podcast you've heard him uh here and there on a few episodes jake schiller um, it joins the, um, the Rooster Road Trip for a second time. I think you started maybe 24 hours before Rooster Road Trip last year. We hired you as the organization's first video production specialist. Yeah, it was yeah. about that. I didn't really even have a chair to sit in until I got back. I don't <laughs> do you think. do you know? Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah, but he doesn't have a phone. No, I know that. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, I get all your calls. Thanks. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Uh, so tell us, uh, tell our listeners about uh, Jake Schiller's backstory. Well, I uh, have a very different background than everyone else pretty much sitting here in the room. I came from Prescott, Wisconsin, just across the pond or river. <laughs> the or pond. The pond river. <laughs> that's a different pond. Yeah, that's a little bit different. But So I came from just uh, southeast of the office here and grew up as a big game hunter. I spent a lot of years out of high school, traveling across the Midwest, chasing big white-tailed deer for a show, trained assassins based out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Centerville, Mississippi. So for me to see this job posting come up, and um, it was just close to home, and I really I knew what Fence Forever was, but I didn't know entirely the model and um, the, elab- the elaborate amount of work that they've done across, you know, the country for habitat and conservation alone so i thought it was a cool opportunity and i pursued it little did i know that i was going to get the job i came in these guys i i have to disagree with anthony i came in in an under armor long sleeve black shirt and khakis and i feel like you need to play to the position and (laughs) i walked through the door and andrew um my boss we just talk, heard from him shortly ago, was wearing about the exact same thing that I was. So I immediately didn't you're, feel you're too wrong. bad. Like who, what do you, what do you, like who applies for a job and doesn't think they're going to get it? Like, I don't like what you're lying. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, well, I just, it, it was wild card. I didn't, you know, I was a freelance videographer. <laughs> I didn't know what the position was entirely. I didn't know if it was even really going to interest me, but it took sitting down and listening to Andrew in the first in, in, interview and, then I met with Bob in the second, and I just I, I had an interest. I had a deeper interest, and I had a further passion to become a part of the organization. So I'm not saying I'm not happy to be here. And <laughs> okay. you, you guys have definitely uh, 
turned me into a bird hunter or uh, aspiring bird hunter because I don't really even have a dog yet, but I don't mind shooting uh, planted birds over your guys' dogs here and there. <laughs> yeah. <so>. Planted birds. <laughs> well, you got, I haven't been taken on a wild bird hunt yet, so I can't say. what. So most importantly, what breed of dog are you leaning towards today? It's up in the air. I had um, <laughs> a rep the other day sent me a couple pictures of some GSPs, and they're good-looking dogs. So now I'm just like, I'm just all over the place. There's no decisions being made. There's no rhyme or reason. I'm just going to have to figure it out when the time comes. The only thing I really know is that I'm not even close to ready to get one. So I uh, just got done watching Emmy's dog this weekend, and although he is a really good dog, I just don't like, foresee like him. Like puppy myself. sitting. Yeah. Puppy sitting. Yeah, puppy sitting. So, But I just don't know if I can handle it yet. I still, I'm kind of a nomad couch surfing right now. Yeah. Want to try to figure out where I want to plant my roots around the office here. Around the office, like who you want to settle down with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I might just set up a cot in the in the warehouse. I don't know yet. Well, you know everybody's young because well, it sounds like Jake. I don't even know. You might not have a place to live. I'm not sure. And uh, but everybody's still talking about their their interviews and where they went to school and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of tells you that. Uh, it's a, it, everybody trends still a little young, which is, you know, I mean, part of the, part of the deal with the trip is you're trying to, I mean, we've made no secret about it. The average pheasants forever member is like 55 to 60 years old and we love you. <laughs> we love you, but you know, we'd like to see some younger people. So you've got a crew of, of kind of, uh, you know, twenties and early thirties, say for me, who's like getting upper thirties and has the, you know, the gray hair to prove it. But, uh, the rest of them, you know, you hope that they connect with that, that, that younger audience and bring some of that energy. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good point. That was another key component of the origins of Rooster Road Trip was connect with that younger generation and uh, get them involved in in the outdoors and, most importantly, get them connected to pheasants forever and quail forever. And, you know, the purpose of going around the horn and introducing each and each of the folks, it's not it, – Rooster Road Trip isn't about any of us. It's not about the people. It's about the organization. But I think it's insightful – to at least be able to see the lens through which some of these folks are, are looking at um, literal lenses, you know, what the photography and the video and, you know, who's writing the stories and who's capturing those moments. And, um, you know, they, they put a lot of time, effort and talent into a rooster road trip. So it's, so it's fun um, to understand a little bit about whose dogs are whose and um, what the background is. Uh, rooster road trip, Anthony, you've been doing it. Uh, this is, is this number nine or is this number nine, ninth rooster road trip? Um, Anthony and Andrew, you know, you guys have been on every single one of them. So what have you learned along the way that, um, that have been some key successes, um, results that, that have transpired as a result of rooster road trip, but what sticks in your mind and say, Oh, you know, that happened because of Rooster Road Trip. I learned to be really picky. Uh, when I first started, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. You, you are picky. <laughs> yes. Well, this just, this just I've brought reinfor- it out. It's reinforced my, me to my be type picky. A personality. This just kind of just played right into it. Um, you know, when I, when I first started hunting, it was more about, ooh, there's a public spot. Nobody's on it. Let's go. Um, but, you know, what the there's so much uh, pressure uh, during the Rooster Road Trip to bag a couple birds and what is actually a very short amount of time when you think about okay we have to wake up hopefully find some birds snap some photos tell our story of the property we're on 
then scramble to find Wi-Fi and update the general public on what we just did in the past hour and a half. That's a lot of, of moving around and running. It's a lot of pressure to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in order to kind of like skew things in our favor, I guess I've gotten super picky in terms of what I'm willing to hunt. Um, I don't waste my time on marginal habitat anymore. Um, you know, we are the habitat organization and habitat is everything. And I think that just goes to show like just because something's open and, and, and huntable doesn't mean it, it might not be worth my time. Um, so I, I really avoid, you know, the, the giant swaths of brome and canary grass. I know I've already said that before, but I just feel like a lot of people just kind of waste a lot of time on marginal stuff. And, um, you know, this might come off as a little con- controversial, but <laughs> sometimes less is more. Um, over the past nine years, we, we've had uh, the ability to hunt with a lot of people in a lot of different scenarios. Mm. And um, sometimes, you know, you kind of get that giant group uh, historical civil war kind of walking a line reenactment thing going. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, you know, one of the appeals of, of upland hunting is the social aspect and be able to get out there with your buddies and, and talk and enjoy it and watch the dogs. But it's also really limiting when you're actually hunting. Um, I know you tend to be more of a lone wolf type guy when it comes to hunting. I, I lean more towards that side as well because you're actually able to follow your dog. Yeah. Um, you can actually peel away and actually put yourself in the, in the best position to, to, to get a good shot without, you know, being in someone else's firing lane or anything like that. And it's especially important when it comes to introducing someone new to, mm-hmm. to upland hunting. Uh, rolling up to, you know, 10 guys holding guns is pretty intimidating. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, uh, we, as, as people have been doing this for a while, forget that. Um, so, you know, when it comes to introducing new people to the, you know, upland hunting, and I'm lucky enough to where, where my wife, uh, just completed her hunter safety this past summer and, um, we'll be out for Minnesota's opener, uh, together as her very first hunt. Um, and she has no, like she has no desire to hunt with anyone else. Yeah. So and, just you and, and, and it has nothing to do with being exclusive. It mm-hmm. has everything to do with comfort, it, comfort and, mm-hmm. and just wanting to be able to follow the dog and not worry about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, between working the edges and, and sometimes just trusting your dog, that's, that's the most important stuff that I've learned over the past nine years of kind of growing up as an upland hunter throughout this trip. Which will be, you know, we've talked about this one, Rooster Road Trip 2018 is in South Dakota. And kind of the, at least the stereotypical South Dakota hunt is 20 folks, you know, 17 of them walking a field and three blockers, right? And... I don't know about you guys, but you're making that, me sweat. Just yeah, think about it. <laughs> I like honestly, I, I like I'll tap out of that. That's just not my gig. I, as you've mentioned, I like I, I like to fly solo, which is probably on the other end of the extreme because I like my dogs run in big directions and just wander. But it is intimidating when you walk up and there's a an army of orange. Well, you don't know everyone's skill levels or, or their backgrounds and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm not trying to knock it because I do get it. Um, I, I have a, couple, it's effective. I mean, well, I mean, I get it from a, from a social aspect. I mean, I have, right. I have a few special hunts every year where I'm invited to one of my best friends, uh, uh properties out in South Dakota. So it's special for me cause I, you know, it's kind of a cherry property that, you know, is abnormal for me, mm-hmm. but with that comes a large group of people and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And it's, it's a great way to get back in touch with people you maybe only see on that hunt every mm-hmm. year. But when it comes to like effectively putting birds in my game bag with my dog, I'm a lot better with a smaller group. I can mm. guarantee you that. Yeah. 
Anthony, what what sticks out to you as far as something you've learned or rooster road trips changed your perspective in a way? I'm not as picky as Andrew. <laughs> he, few few people he, are. He knows that. <laughs> well, no, he's he's right. I, I'll add this, like in my um, in my own personal hunts. You know, I know where he's coming from because, uh, you know, for the for this trip, you you kind of you got to do some road scouting, right? But like when I, you know, there is something to be said for going to areas and then you have to walk over the horizon to see what's over there mm-hmm. now you can do some you can do some scouting now like and i do that quite frequently frequently like with onyx maps right like just to you can you can scout an area before you go to it which gives you you know the lay of the land of what's over hill and dale but you know we we don't have the time for you know for anthony's wandering adventuresome <laughs> spirit to be a prairie fairy so i i save that for my own time um, I will say this, I mean, we've just lucked out. Like that's two full months we've mm-hmm. spent together in, in pheasant country, right. On this trip. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about over the duration over the, of over the duration. Years, right? Yeah. And you know, the previous eight, I mean, that's, that's, that's two full months we've spent together and it's, it's like, we've gotten rained out. Like we've gotten weathered out none. I, I think we had one we day had one that was almost Montana, rained out, but know. otherwise, like we've just been blessed. I mean, it's Logan and I came close so to the snow out one year. I just, I think that's kind of remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope I'm not jinxing, jinxing it here. Um, I guess, you know, when I think about it, there's, there's probably two things that come to mind. Number one is like, which state is best? Um, I don't know. They're all so good. They mm-hmm. all have their individual characteristics. Like, uh, and again, maybe, maybe that's, that's Anthony, the, um, you know, the wander talking again, mm-hmm. that, that I just, I'm one of those guys who, I mean, yeah, I have a little sense of tradition, but I really like to go and seek out new spots and new spots and new States. And yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, Nebraska with pheasants and quail to me is just as good mm. as pheasants in the, in October in South Dakota is just as good as North Dakota pheasant hunting with a chance at sharp tails and huns i i mean minnesota's great i mean you can shoot one less bird early on but mm-hmm. it's my home state and there's some great habitat here you know maybe not as much as other states because the pheasant range just isn't as big but i don't know i mean yeah. the point i guess i'm trying to make is that um go out and explore that and that's part of the reason we do this story is like you know, Southwest Nebraska has some great access and pheasants forever helps with that. You can go there. I've done it in my free time. Yeah. I've done it for work, but I've gone back there in my free time. And, um, you know, I've in South Dakota, like, you know, that's a bit more of a known quantity, but you know, there's other places too, besides winter South Dakota, if you haven't heard of it, right. you know, there it's a, it's a big state too. Um, and so, you know, sharing that's kind of cool. The other thing that comes to to my mind, you know, when I started the trip, I didn't have a dog, you know, and, and I, I'll say this, like, I still see this story, like, um, like it gets shared, I guess it's like, if you're a sporting publication, you have to once a year, you're like obligated to share the, uh, you know, the pheasant hunting without a dog story. Mm -hmm. And like in 2007 and 2008, you know, when pheasant numbers were still like what I call modernly insane, Mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 and they were like modern all-time highs. Like you could go out and shoot birds without a dog. I did. I didn't have a dog. I wasn't, I knew I was going to get one, but it wasn't high on my list. And then like pheasant numbers like started, you know, taking their dip. And, you know, we had a bat, like I know in my home county, we had a year where they dropped 80% about, 
Mm. I shot one pheasant that year in Minnesota, and I was like, <laughs> I better get a dog. <laughs> the days of being mooch the pooch yeah. and just saddling and, up and on now someone's I, hip and now I have, had a dog were over. Huh? Now I have two of my own, and then my sister, um, you know, she – I guilt her into giving me her setter. So now I have, th- I have the most dogs on the trip. I have three, I have three dogs that I take with me. So scout and, will be on rooster. Road yeah, trip sc- scouts, my sister's English setter. And then I have two English cocker spaniels. And like, I, I just don't, what I see again, I'm, I'm going bar stool biology mm-hmm. here, but I don't see pheasant, like pheasant numbers strong enough that you could just go out without a dog and really have success a good amount of success not consistently not not consistently i mean i'm not saying it can't be done but i'm just saying i think it would be darn tough in this day and age to do it without a dog you got to be a darn good shot too to hunt without a dog just to be able to to kill a rooster dead and not have to have a dog to find it 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 would be tough i'm not yeah i shouldn't say it's mission impossible and i'm not i'm not trying to discourage anybody from going out like go pheasant on if if i had a choice between you know people always say that like Oh, I want, if I didn't have my dog, I want pheasant hunt. It's like, I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I would, I might not do it as much, but I'd still go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't, don't not go or quit, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be, you'd be in a tough, a pretty tough spot. And so, you know, just comparing now to like having, um, you know, one, one great dog, one that's getting to be good and, and scout is, you know, I don't hunt with her enough, but she still seems to have a lot, you know, like she's not my full-time dog, but she has a lot of promise. And like, that just makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I was pond like this, this question, you know, you talk about being a shot. It's like, I was wondering like, would you rather have, would you rather be a great shot or would you rather have like three good bird dogs? Yeah. There's no, no I'd rather be both. But if I had a choice, I'd rather have three good bird dogs. No doubt. Right. Yep. No doubt about it. You'll have more opportunities in the ones that you wing or cripple. Yeah. You're going to find. Right? So that's not an opinion. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to echo, you know, I've I've been on oh, I don't know, probably half a rooster road trip, something like that. And um I would say, you know, for anybody out there that the adventure part of it, like to experience a state other than your own will make you a better hunter in your home state. There's no question about that. You'll learn different habitat, different style of hunting, and it's just, you know, be, seeing a different landscape, you know, being from Minnesota and then you go to Montana for rooster road trip and you have that that you know epic dreamlike flush of a rooster in the shadow of you know a butte or the you know the foothills of the Rockies that you you know we've all seen that photo in Covey Rise or Gray Sporting Journal or the Upland Super Issue and you want to put yourself there well Get out there and make the trip and put yourself there because yeah. it is absolutely worth it. And that's part of Rooster. Like I mentioned earlier, part of Rooster Road Trip is about having fun. And it is. It's supposed to demonstrate the love and passion for this sport and why we commit so much energy, time, and our own resources and yeah. you know into this mission that we care about because it is bigger than just you know, the singular bird, it's sure. about the entire experience. Well, and you know, I guess that that's just to go off of your point there and maybe Emmy, since she went to Nebraska can, can talk about this, but the, it, you know, part of that allure of going to different places is that, yeah, it's, it's a ring necked pheasant, but the, the, it's, it doesn't all look the same. You know, the Southwest Nebraska is far different mm-hmm. than South Dakota. 
There's no cattails. I mean, there's a few, but not many. And I kind of like that. <laughs> it's nice to get a cattail break. I pound a lot of cattails in Minnesota. Um, you know, in North Dakota, uh, I've been surprised at some of the places like pheasants will hide, you know, like they just these little, little patches, um, you know, scrub ground, uh, you know, Montana, you're, you're up against the Rocky mountain front or, you know, I should say the, you know, kind of the central Island mountain mm-hmm. ranges with those as a backdrop. And, you know, yeah, maybe that's not quite in its mixed bag country. It's not quite as good. Just doesn't hold the same number of pheasants, but the view certainly makes up for it. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, why not, why not do yourself a favor and go check out, um, some of the diversity that exists in pheasant country. It's, it's, you know, I guess if you just happen to, uh, you know, happened upon this podcast and don't even know what a pheasant is or what, you know, the flyover country is, it's, it's, uh, it's far from flat and it's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that, and you don't, you don't find that unless you visit some of those places. Well, we're all you know, equal opportunity upland hunters as well. Um, and what the road trip really does, um, on kind of an ecosystem level is that it kind of highlights the fact that you know, the pheasants are like kind of one of the ultimate umbrella species. Um, what's good for pheasants is also as a byproduct, probably good for sharp tailed grouse, probably good for quail, probably good for deer and turkey and pollinators and all that. So, you know, when you're out in these other states, and we say other states, cause we're all based in Minnesota, but you know, when you're out hunting sharpies or prairie chickens or, or quail, you know, it, it's it's just amazing to see all the good work that our organization does and all the other species that mm-hmm. it impacts as well. Because pheasants might be on our logo, but, you know, we are impacting upland. Yeah. You now, we are an upland habitat organization, whether it's, you know, clean waters, you know, healthy habitat in general in the uplands is what we're all about. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, my first trip, uh, and it was rooster road trip, being in Nebraska, having a dog on point in a covey, covey rise of quail comes up and you bag a quail and you get that bird back in your hands like i have another bird i love now and that extra commitment that you make to quail forever because now you you understand because you participate like folks listening to this podcast in north dakota where there aren't quail make a trip and go to nebraska go to kansas and see the other side of the Pheasants Forever organization and see that Quail Forever organization, um, and you will absolutely be hooked on Quail. They are just, you know, when a when a ri- Quail when a covey of Quail rise, is a, I mean, you hear them before you see them. It's like a swarm of bumblebees, right? I mean, and that's why, like, you guys are going to South Dakota this year. Like, there's a really tiny chance you'll see Quail. So I was like, ah. I'll, I'll save my time. I'll go to quail country. Oh, I'm looking forward to Sharpies <laughs> myself. But you can, I love Sharpies, you, you, too. You can flip that as well. You know, if you're an avid quail hunter from Oklahoma. That's great. You point. know, you, you can go up to the Dakotas during, like, a late-season hunt and push through some cattails and all of a sudden have 30 pheasants erupt in your face. I mean, if you're used to tiny little bumblebees just going, like, imagine having, like, what's the equivalent? Yeah, just... You know, these pterodactyls just exploding all over the, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's I remember, pretty awesome. I remember uh, Kim Price, who's a, uh, he has since passed away. He was the founder of Covey Rise, and he was a board member of Quail Forever. And the first time we came up north and hunted pheasants in South Dakota, he's like, oh, you know, I've been shooting quail my whole life. One of these, you know, pheasants the size of a basketball, that's going to be a breeze. A rooster gets up and flies, you know, Mach 50, and he's 
and just you know unloads his shotgun and misses like i get it now you know and that's that is part of the adventure and the great piece of a bird hunting no matter where you are in the country there's a game bird you can chase and it makes you appreciate that landscape and the habitat and the people and the dogs and that you know that's been sort of a output of rooster road trip that we probably didn't anticipate you know and, and talking about outputs um you know on one hand rooster road trip uh, also is you know when it, when you connect the dots on public land and membership and habitat there's a membership offer that is in conjunction with rooster road trip you can you can uh, everything you can follow along at roosterroadtrip.org there'll be a membership offer do we know um, it's a it's a product from Browning, right? Yep, we're we're going to be giving away a, a Browning folding knife to anybody who signs up throughout the uh, Rooster Road trip through our specific links. But uh, probably the the real prize at the end of that is uh, we'll be doing a drawing uh, once we're once we're all wrapped up, and anybody who signs up as a member through that special link will be automatically entered to win the Browning, well, the 12 gauge Browning Satori uh, Feather Edition. It's a 725 that uh, I will be shooting. So, yes, there will be a little bit of dirt and grime on the inside of the barrels because I'm probably not going to clean it for you. But you Gen- know, you, you can Gently ju- used. Yeah, you can gently just consider used. that as just a little piece of love from me. Um, but uh, having shot this gun or this type of gun before, I can tell you, you will fall in love with it. So there's, there's another little kind of added incentive, if you will, from our – uh, one of our our many uh, road trip sponsors, Browning, they're they're kind enough to to donate that to us. So roosterroadtrip.org, there'll be this um, special offer with our partners at Browning. Rooster Road Trip generally uh, produces about 500 members for the organization a year, so that's you know you consider that that's about the size of two to three banquets. Um, so that's a really um, successful component and it also generates uh, just for folks that are oh I, you know who are these guys going on a hunting trip you know it's it generates a, about fifty thousand dollars in sponsorship fifty to seventy depending on the year in sponsorship revenue which goes into the organization's habitat mission as well this year's presenting sponsor one of those um, partners in the group is South Dakota tourism. Uh, and they're the presenting sponsor because it is the 100th anniversary season of pheasant hunting in the state of South Dakota. Um, tell us a little bit. Let's start there. Tell us a little bit about the hunt, the hunt itself, where, where you guys are headed and, um, you know, what, uh, what the focus is in different parts of South Dakota during the week. Sure. That, uh, it's, you know, South Dakota is kind of funny because it has all these, uh, all these, you, you know, these towns that, based on their population, probably shouldn't be known, right? Unless you know there was a historic event that happened there, and Gettysburg, you know, didn't happen in South Dakota. So, so why are these, you know, towns with like fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred people famous? And right. it's because you know pheasant hunters know them, mm-hmm. and they've been you know world class pheasant destinations for you know now a century, and. So that that's kind of how we're mapping it out. We're looking at it starting in Pier, which is in central South Dakota, and then kind of doing an arc, um, you know, back through the state. Uh, so we'll be in, in Pier for a few days and then working our way kind of through that Gettysburg, Mobridge country, uh, and then over to... Um, and when I say peer, I should backtrack. I mean, that ain't, we're going to kind of start on the national grasslands, which are just kind of an interesting upland mm-hmm. spot 
interesting and magnificent and, you know, contain sharp tails, prairie chickens and pheasants. Um, and then we're going to hunt some, some bigger wildlife areas, uh, walk in areas near pier, um, that, you know, probably, you know, also hold chance for, for grouse, um, and then, uh, pheasants. And I, this is probably a, a fair time to point out too, that it, like the first week of the season, we can't hunt pheasants until noon. Mm-hmm. And for pointing things out, we should also say that we totally forgot about that. <laughs> so everybody at home is like, oh, these guys are pros. Well, You're getting all this inside intel. It's like, oh, that's it's, right. We, okay. This will make things a bit more. Well, hectic. it's, it's, uh, you know, I'll be, uh, I'll be, you know, glass half full type of guy. I mean, you know, there's more, there's more birds the first week of the season than there is the last. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, we'll probably see some more hunters and I hope we do. We'll say hi. Well, you know, but, um, that, that's just how South Dakota runs it. I don't know if it's my favorite start time, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, um, that, that's the way it is. Luckily they do have, uh, they do. Jake, Jake likes that start time. Cause he can, you know, I don't know. You're not sleeping in Jake. Yeah. Um, but you know, luckily, you know, we're in probably like one of the highest concentrations of, of prairie grouse and, you know, we can hunt that in the mornings. Pheasant is at, at noon and we'll still have, you know, six to, I guess, six ish, six and a half hours to make things happen, which I think will be enough time. I'm, you know, cross my fingers, but so we'll start national grasslands, and then we'll work kind of the other side of the river. Mm. Um, and then we'll head up, like I said, to Gettysburg, uh, you know, Mobridge, that, that kind of upper, upper Missouri country, and then work our way over to Aberdeen, okay. um, where we've got some neat projects, uh, that, that Pheasants Forever has participated in there. Um, you know, where the community has helped kind of open up access, uh, led by the Pheasants Forever chapter. And then, um, we'll drop down to Redfield, which is the pheasant capital of South Dakota. Trademarked even. Trademarked. Um, and then the last day we're going to drop down to Huron, which again is another kind of, uh, you know, just classic pheasant country, kind of, kind of classic East river pheasant country. And, you know, that, that's all maybe subject to change just a little bit as we try to nail down. I mean, you know, we're, we're hunting public lands and trying to, uh, you know, one thing, you know, that I've seen over the last 10 years, more than anything, especially in the Dakotas is that, you know, there's more, there's been more habitat changing than ever. And mm-hmm. even on public lands or publicly accessible lands, that can mean like haying and grazing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just to, uh, you know, nail down all that stuff. It, it, it's usually a last minute deal, but that's kind of the general game. So plan. we got uh, natural grasslands in the mix. We've got um, uh, walk-in program lands. We got Sierra, uh, CREP, which is a James River corridor that takes a, the traditional CRP mm-hmm. program and adds an access component onto it tied to water quality. We got some GPAs, South yep. Dakota's game production areas, state-owned land. I'm assuming you guys will hunt WPAs, waterfall Most production likely. areas. Any any refuges or um, any other lands out there? I think that's all we're gonna be hunting. I mean, um, if, if again, if Andrew wouldn't let me do it because we don't have we don't have the time. But you know, there's some core lands like mm-hmm. Army core lands along the Missouri that yep. I think they're you know. Um, a little bit more difficult to access. You know how you see like out, out west, there's been like some of these the, these landlocked pieces, mm-hmm. right? Where guys like they drop in in helicopters and things. <laughs> um, if I had all the time in the world, I'd maybe Emmy. Let me. Am I going to see a, a helicopter on somebody's expense report this trip? Mm, no comment. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, 
<laughs> is it an option? No. <laughs> Will no, he get in trouble? Not, but, um, I would I would do that, or we could you could get a boat, and I think you could really float th- the Missouri. I River. think you could have some awesome, very adventuresome hunts. Yeah. Um, if I was retired, I suppose I would do that. Or if they, you know, if Pheasants Forever wants to give me sabbatical for a couple months in the fall and and, and go do a study or something, I would do that. But <laughs> I, I, we don't have time to do that. That's my point. But if you're if you're out there and you're looking, I think that that would be. Um, a pretty yeah. epic kind of upland adventure, but otherwise everything you just outlined is, yeah. um, you know, that'll be a full week for well, us. Well, yeah, it will. It, but you think about we categorize this broad term public lands, but when you start boiling it down, there's a lot of different things that that make up public lands. Reservations you can buy special licenses and hunt in South Dakota. Um, school lands are open to public hunting. And so there's lots of different ways to access yeah. property. And, and unfortunately, you know, even, even in, in a week's time, you know, there's so many places that we're not even going to get it. I mean, I had an itch to kind of go West, like, you know, up lemon is mm-hmm. kind of some, uh, you know, again, for, um, mixing upland hunting with that kind of, you know, ed- sense of adventure mm-hmm. and, and a real, almost like a big game trip you know, in a way, if you think about it, but that would be a cool spot to go to. There's even, you know, um, some kind of like Southwest South Dakota, uh, down that direction. Right. You know, I've, I've always wanted to go out there. Haven't been there yet. Um, we won't even be in like the golden triangle, I don't think, which is, you know, probably winter Chamberlain. Yeah. And, and that's the, you know, that's literally the episode. That's probably the highest concentration, you know, at times of wild pheasants in the, in the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and we won't be at Mitchell. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you just think about all these great destinations that even in a week's time you can't hit and they're great too. And, you know, other people can, other people will be out there, you know, making their own stories while we're kind of doing the, the other half of the state. And for folks that have never been to South Dakota before, for you know the pers- outside pers- perspective is South Dakota is a pretty flat place and when you travel some of the places you're going it's it's got some pretty cool topography even you know where you start the Fort Pier grasslands I, w- I, I was there three weeks ago and you pull up and you know as far as the eye is I can see it's just a sea of grass and as the sun rises you know, releasing the bird dogs and just walking. So there's an advantage for you. You can hunt the Fort Pier grasslands before noon. Where our dogs where, out, where ourselves out. Yeah, because you can <laughs> chase. It even starts. You can chase sharpies and chickens before uh, you know yeah. pheasants get up. You can't take that shot, but yeah, it, it is just an amazing place, South Dakota. You know that the, the great places, great faces. It, it is a land of great, great um, places, and it's got a lot more variety than meets the eye or most people's stereotypical perception. yeah i mean there's you know so you move there and and then you know we'll be going through the heart heart of pothole country mm-hmm. and i'm sure there'll be a migration happening um you know so we'll probably see thousands of ducks and geese where you feel like you're you know you're, you're living inside a terry redland painting and there's some you know you've got the big coteau where you get quite a view back down to the east mm-hmm. and uh and the, the James River is an is a neat river that uh, I mean you could just go on and on there and in so that's kind of one of the, the neat and and it does um, you know we've we've met people I think the last time we were in South Dakota I mean we met a guy we hunted he hunted on the other side of the piece you know we've seen people from like Pennsylvania and New York and Iowa and Minnesota I mean like people come from uh, they, they they travel from all over the United States Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, you know, obviously we'll see some of that at the hotels. And then as we're out driving around too, which is, it's fun, a fun mix of upland hunters kind of converging from, you know, well, that's what it is. It's the pheasant capital. It has that draw. Right. And everybody's always smiling. I don't know why. Yeah. Everyone's always smiling. That's because they got a honey hole that they're not telling you about. They're <laughs> right. like, oh, I'm going to beat you there, oh. man. So, you know, I <laughs> I mentioned um, I mentioned earlier that we generate uh, 50 to 70. I actually, I think I misspoke. It's up, you know, this, this event, one-week event, will generate close to $80,000 in corporate sponsorships um, for companies that want to put... We'd take the, a million. Well, we would, but... <laughs> You know, just for our members that are out there, you know, this has um, an absolute impact on the mission when you figure, you know, 90 cents on the dollar, historically, the organization is 90 cents on every dollar raised, the organization's put back into the mission. So when you think about that $80,000 in sponsorships through this one week promotion, that's pretty significant. That that makes a difference. And, you know, what those sponsors are paying for is obviously exposure in front of um, the, you know, the, the center of the bullseye upland hunting market that exists within Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. And they do that by putting some new and unique products in your hands um, during the rooster road trip to kind of gear test and, you know, give, uh, give some photo love. You know, from products from Browning to Garmin to, you know, a whole slew of partners. Um, well, I'll mention them. Um, South Dakota is obviously the presenting sponsor. Apple Autos is providing the, the Rooster Road Trip truck. Uh, we've got Garmin providing e-collars and a variety of uh, GPS-related equipment. Orca coolers, federal premium ammunition, um, sound gear hearing protect, protection, uh, browning shotguns and browning apparel, uh, camp chef cooking, um, cooking products, and then uh, Rufflin kennels, um, all partners in Rooster Road Trip. Um, tell me a little bit about what's caught your eye because I've seen products being delivered to everybody's desks uh, and, and, you know, they're being hidden from me. Uh, what what are you excited about Don't. to test out? We'll start with Emmy. What um, what what's on the market this year for the woman um, pheasant hunter that you are ready to put to the test on Rooster Road Trip? Nothing that's actually women specific outside of a, some browning apparel. Okay. Um, still mostly their upland game line or not upland game. Excuse me, big game line. Um, I'm actually really excited to try out this new browning shotgun for me and that. Which one are shot. you going to shoot? I've got the Maxis Ultimate. A 20 gauge or nope. a 12 gauge? 12 gauge. Mm-hmm. 12 gauge Browning Maxis. So yes. it's a semi auto. Yes. Yep. I just put it together last night, actually. I have not shot it yet, but that's one that's very different from my gun. It's a pound heavier. Okay. So we'll see if I have larger biceps at the end <laughs> of this trip. I have no idea. But um, again, being more of a youthful hunter, I actually have not hit a crossing shot yet in the field. And so that's literally the goal of my third season. Crossing left to right, right to left, either way. Either of them. So if I, we catch that on camera, it is... I will be thrilled and I will make a point <laughs> to point it out. So maybe this gun is the trick. So what's, what is your go-to shot? Straight away? Straight away. Yeah. yeah. I can nail that. Or if I'm not thinking about it at all. So one of my quail from last season, but... It's not the pheasant crossing shot. That's okay. specifically what I have not nailed. Cool. 
They do fly it, and, mock and, whatever, and, and I'm you, always behind them. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, Browning Clothing yes. is um, putting a few items from their 2019 line into your hands. So that will be um, unveiled uh, to the uh, well. Our, our members and upland hunters will be able to purchase some of those products in summer and fall of 2019, but they'll be able to get a look at a few of them this rooster road trip. Yeah, just the ultimate tease. <laughs> no, no, no. no uh, but seriously, we've we've been working with Browning for the past couple of years uh, and kind of developing and, and, and relaunching uh, their upland uh, hunting line, and uh, they are the only – uh, partnership we have where they can put our logo on, on hunting gear. Uh, so we do receive royalties back from them and they do have a true, uh, conservation ethic within the company. Uh, so it's been great to work with them. It's been great to kind of help map out, uh, some different products and, and change some exist, some existing products are already there and make them better. Um, and so I'm pretty excited to actually start really putting them through the ringer. Uh, they're going to be updating their, their, um, their burden light vest, which is one of our more popular, upland hunting vest that, that we have they've made it a bit more durable especially in the, in the lower areas um you know there's a gonna be a pretty sweet shacket which is the shirt jacket combo coming out which uh i think everybody will be fighting over uh they've done a great job kind of revamping their pants and completely retooling their chaps i'm pretty sure we used to be able to fit two of me in one leg in terms of their <laughs> chaps uh so we've kind of made them go back to the drawing board there and then just make make everything more robust and kind of get with the times in terms of what uh, real upland hunters want to see out there. You know, even, even including a three layer Gore-Tex jacket, uh, which is pretty awesome. And I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. So Browning's, Browning's been with us since, uh, since day one in the, on the Rooster Road trip. Um, you know, a, another sponsor who's been with us since the beginning would be Garmin. Um, and me personally, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to try out their, their new inReach mini device. Uh, as someone who disappears into the Northwoods of, of Minnesota and also Canada, I, I like to get off the grid. Uh, and basically what the inReach is, it's a GPS device in which uh, people can follow along uh, on a map at home and see your whereabouts. Uh, you have the ability to, to hit an SOS from anywhere, and you can also text from anywhere. Uh, so as someone who uh, likes to hunt kind of on, on a solo basis like you, it kind of gives you a peace of mind um, to, to know that you can go do that comfortably. And if something were to go wrong, you can get help even in the middle of nowhere. So if you send an SOS, is that going to my phone? No, it's going to go to their, <laughs> it's going to go to their, their command station. And the beauty okay. in that is there's, you can actually communicate with them. So they don't, they don't always have to you know, send out the, the national guard to get you. You can say, well, my truck got a flat and I don't have a service and I need, I need help uh, changing a tire because I lost <laughs> so. my tire iron. Not that I've ever done that. But, uh, I thought uh, you were yeah. talking about me. <laughs> I, that I was looking happened. at you when I was saying it. So you, you picked up what I was putting oh. down. If, if Andrew falls in a foxhole and breaks his leg and we got to get a chopper out there, then I'm going to have the chopper drop me into the Army Corps land. There we go. You find in all kinds of ways to end up with a chopper on your expense report. Well, you know, I might get my pilot's license before next year. We'll see what happens. Well, uh, so no chopper, but Apple Autos is <laughs> providing the uh, the Rooster Road Trip truck. Uh, so you, we'll have a Ford uh, completely outfitted uh, with all the logos from all the partners. They've been doing, they've been providing a truck for Rooster Road Trip for the last few years. So thanks to Apple Autos. 
uh, Rufflin Kennels, South Dakota's own, formerly known as Rough Tough. If you're familiar with them, they have changed their name to Rufflin Kennels, and they're providing all the dog homes on Rooster Road Trip. Um, what else? What else has captured your interest that uh, has shown up in the last few days? Well, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll actually just. Um, I, I, I'll. I'm going to do an end around on that. Sure. And I'm going to, I'm going to sing the praise of something that I got to use last year for the first time and, uh, wore it for the rooster road trip, the sound gears. Um, we were, we're wearing the, uh, the platinum custom, custom molded, um, platinum, like, uh, hearing protection, hearing protection. And, uh, I, I, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe six, seven, eight years ago, somewhere in there, I was duck hunting in South Dakota with some people, you know, a family trip. And I was, um, I took, you know, there was a gunshot and I know it damaged like hearing in my right ear mm. and ever. And then from that point on, I was so sensitive to it that I would just wear like, like plugs, which just isn't like a fun way to hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's hard to hear your dog. You get windy days, um, late season wind. And, and it just, it just wasn't like, it wasn't a great setup. And these sound gears have been like hunting life changing for yeah. me. Not only, um, not only just, I have that peace of mind that I can just go shoot. I mean, I, I shot all summer I wore them like at the range, you know, trap and skeet. And I didn't want to do that before because I just like, didn't want to do more damage to my ears, even with like plugs. Um, they never felt like they fit quite right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But these ones are custom molded. They fit in my ear. Um, I wore them every day last season. I've wore them, you know, I've been out, um, you know, prairie grouse hunting this year. I just love them. And not only that, they, um, you know, I, I don't want to amplify, they have sound amplification. I don't like to amp it up too much, Mm -hmm. but there's a perfect setting for me where it seems like, you know, you can catch those. Um, and I talked about this on last year's rooster road trip, but like, you know, sharp tails get up and it's like, I, I feel like it amplifies those bird sounds. I can hmm. hear that like kind of laugh that they have, mm-hmm. you know, which helps in bird identification. I can hear roosters crow. And, you know, my, my motto is when you, when you see a bird or hear a bird, go after it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it they're, they're easier to find than the one that you don't know is there. And, um, I just, you know, I, I love them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. And, uh, um, I wish I would, I, I wish I would have, you know, gotten hearing protection five, six years ago. I'm here now. And you know, it's, um, I would encourage any, like it's an investment. There's no doubt about it, but they have some different, you know, different packages and, um, man that, you know, that that's, that's it for me. So pheasants forever members can um, look for the sound gear advertisement in every issue of the pheasants forever journal or quail forever journal, their national sponsors. Um, and they do have, um, tremendous products. They have Insta fits, but the ones you're referring to are the customs and they do make a huge difference. Um, absolutely. Orca coolers will be keeping, um, all the birds bagged and hopefully you guys bag some birds, um, on the trip, but they'll be keeping them cold uh pheasants forever members or if you're planning to attend a banquet uh, pheasants forever or quail forever around the country they have uh the hottest looking cooler i think on the market it's blaze orange bottom camo top and it's got both the pheasants forever and quail forever logos on the lid uh it's a rotomold cooler that will keep birds cold for a week it's a 
Jake, a great well, product. Jake's voting for the uh, the Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah, version, he but. he got uh, get to meet Brett Favre at Shot Show last year, and uh, Orca's the official cooler of the NFL as well. But they, uh, they I may, should say Packers. You know, it's a, it's the Packers version. Yeah, you know. Well, it's the signature Brett Favre version because yeah. he's he's part owner of Orca Coolers. He is, but it's the Packers version. Yeah. That, that's. <laughs> I'm gonna get you. You know what I'm gonna do, Jake? I'm gonna get you the Jets version for Christmas. Okay. And then, um, uh, you know, with with every shot that a pheasants forever or quail forever takes, um, and particularly on Rooster Road Trip, it should be and it is with a federal premium ammunition. I believe you guys are shooting Prairie Storm. It's uh, features the pheasants forever logo on the side of the box which Look means for the logo on the box folks if you buy that box of ammunition prairie storm from federal or some of the wing shock uh from federal look for the logo and federal makes a donation to pheasants forever yeah. every time a box is sold probably we'll probably be shooting mostly um the steel version which yeah, is I, I only shoot which steel. is um which is nice in South Dakota because some of the areas, like if you're hunting waterfall, you know, you have to have non-toxic for some areas mm-hmm. there. I think the state lands, w, the federal uh, WPAs, and yeah. and so um, we just kind of streamline it. Um, and you know, it was that was a nice addition to their line when they came out with that. Just um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people might like to, like to shoot steel for us. That just, that just kind of kind of streamlining our operation where we don't have to be changing in and out there. Yeah. They're, they've been really effective. We like we like those ones. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I shoot Federal Premium Prairie Storm Steel number threes or fours. I guess I shoot fours most of the I'm time. I'm a fours guy. Yeah. Um, Camp Chef, which would lead me to believe there's going to be some uh, tailgate well, meals happening. I, I thought... I was kind of hoping like that this would mean they would send a chef with us, <laughs> you know. Hey, is um, Hank Shaw going on the road trip this year? But no, <laughs> and Andrew's gonna Andrew's kind of taking on the the role of what I mean, what a cookie. So if somebody cookie, cookie camp cookie, chef. So uh-huh. if somebody gets food poisoning, it's Andrew's fault. Well, I never get sick, so I don't know what their problem <laughs> is. But uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to putting their their Everest two burner to use on the tailgate and. Uh, it's funny you, you mentioned Hank Shocks. I'm definitely going to be stealing a couple of his recipes specifically for this trip. Um, so d- I, mean, I hope you do. I hope we're not getting ahead <laughs> of ourselves. That, that means we have to beg a couple of birds. But uh, last year um, in Montana, we actually camped out for an entire trip, which was an adventure and a nightmare and a whole lot of fun all wrapped up into one. But that's where uh, we really got into kind of the, the immediate uh, cooking of, of our game on this trip. And you just can't beat fresh upland bird, so especially sharpies. I'm a, I'm a sharpie fan when it comes to throwing well, in the f- yeah. frying pan. I'll, I'll just I'll just say this, um, you know, pro pro bird tip here. <laughs> I'm not really a pro, but I'm just. Do you have say to it. go into that other voice to do the pro? Yeah, pro bird tip number two. You know what I mean? Um, it's <laughs> it's nice to eat a few birds yeah. while you're on the trip yeah. because transporting like transporting like whole birds around is is cumbersome, right? You know, and it's nice. You know, you're gonna take some. Everybody wants to take some home, but you know, you get three. I mean, you think about like three guys, and now Emmy, and she's gonna hit those crossing shots mm-hmm. probably left way, right way, each way, and end up. We'll all end up with like, you know. Uh, 10 birds or something, whatever, or near a possession limit. And it's like, that's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of birds to bring back. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. And, 
and those coolers aren't aren't small to begin with and you know hey i like i mean i love coolers but i love orca coolers but i mean it's nice to to kind of minimize some of that and so you can uh you eat some of the game while you're out there. It's well, fun. And, and, and what better? I mean, yeah. there's nothing better than eating oh, it's fresh, fresh, it's fresh fresh pheasant at the end of a tailgate after There's a nothing hunt. better than when Andrew offers up to cook it in oh. advance of the trip and says he's going to use Hank Shaw's recipes, and I just get to be the beneficiary of that. <laughs> it's like I'm – I'm golden, dude. Yeah, well, all we well, need I, I get to choose the recipe. Stay so go- I'm, stay I'm going to my palate, people. and everybody knows that I should be working for the Association of Sauces and Dressings because I'm all about that sauce life. Yeah, but you, what was that? I'm a big, I, I'm a big ranchaholic, Bob. I, I, I was, know I was hoping you were going to make the pitch for a beer sponsor because that's where my head was at. No, but you now when it comes to like that scene you're painting. Uh, no, cleaning your birds and cooking them on your tailgate definitely forces you to actually slow down and take a breath too. Uh, we all do this to, to get away from the rat race. Um, so it's one of my favorite ways just to kind of stop and take in the end of the golden hour on a gravel road, just kind of all alone and, and kind of hear the, hear the, the prairie put itself to sleep. Uh, so that, that's, that's one of my favorite aspects of it for sure. Washed down with a barley soda. Pheasants forever is looking for a corporate beer partner. <laughs> so contact he us is today. the vp of marketing isn't he <laughs> yeah. well, he is good ladies yeah. and gentlemen except wait except schlitz don't call us <laughs> wait just kidding i just don't like schlitz <laughs> just, just give me the you can hams. call us you can call us it's fine give me the just, hams we come from the land of sky blue waters okay, here we go <laughs> Um, I'd all right. Hams. Oh yeah, <laughs> two <laughs> votes for hams. <laughs> Girls. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I brought us there, so I can't really be upset over that, right? <laughs> uh, all right. So, Rooster Road Trip kips, kicks off October twenty second. So, this is the moment where I pass the podcast microphone. Um, what's the what's the podcasting schedule on Rooster Road Trip? How this how's this going to happen? We don't know. I don't want you to know. Yeah, I I, I don't want to set any unrealistic expectations because one thing we have learned over the years is everything changes the second you put it down on paper. But we're hoping to uh, record a podcast at the end of each hunt, just kind of as as I'm probably cooking everybody their their meals, maybe something like that. Um, But it's just another another opportunity for us to bring the hunt to people and uh, reinforce kind of who we are as an organization, what we're doing, and, and the fact that you know, you can go do this too. The scene we're painting isn't unique just to us. It's it's very obtainable. Um, you just got to get out there and do it. And as we um, we look to close this episode of On the Wing podcast, I'd like to you know just go around the table and, and tell me a little bit about um, what what you're hoping to you know what's that moment you want to hope to have happen on Rooster Road Trip and Emmy since this is your first ever trip you're going to get to answer this question first what what do you want out of Rooster Road Trip 2018 beyond the obvious you know memberships and and um you know what what are you hoping that uh folks listen and learn and see that's a broad question isn't it yes it wasn't intended <laughs> to be a stumper no, it's confusing if you mean for other people or for me. So I, I'll go with it for me personally route being the adventure side most definitely. I would hope to see a first South Dakota rooster since I haven't harvested that. I will also be hunting prairie grouse for the first time. So I fully expect that I might think that they're hens, pheasants. We we keep so. telling her it's not as big a deal. She, you know, she gets mm. a little. I'll um, believe it when I see she it. Looks, <laughs> she looks at too many spreadsheets, you know, <laughs> and then and then can't like can't turn the data an- an- analysis off it's like 
you'll just you'll know it yeah. you know you'll know <laughs> we'll work on it <laughs> i hope that that's exactly how it i goes. think you'll accomplish that we'll also be there yelling grouse or rooster you know depending on so we've got that covered jake <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you hoping for this year andrew um if we can inspire any anybody else to actually just load up their truck or their Prius or whatever you're in and just, just hit the open road and just challenge themselves to go hunt a new area. Uh, and if you're a seasoned hunter, um, if they can be inspired to take, take another younger person out with them, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll consider this a success. Um, obviously, we're going to be highlighting what we do as an organization and our grassroots model and our boots on the ground and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm hoping this inspires action. I'm, I'm hoping... And by action, I mean other people just getting out there because um, that's what it's all about. With it, without hunters, you lose the interest. Without the interest, you lose the conservation dollars. Um, so if we all want this to, to continue on in perpetuity, well, it's only going to do so with, with participation. So be more than kind of a, a passive, uh, you know, Internet observer and actually get out there and do it. Well said. Do you want to drop the mic on that one? No, but I will pass it to Jake because I'm sure he has some sort of smart aleck comment. <laughs> I, I have to say before I pass it that, you know, his, his comment about um, only shooting placed birds, it's because you're still a young pup. You know, it's, it's just like we're training a bird dog. You, you got to get them on birds. You start at the game farm before you give them the real deal. So you're still, you're still growing up, man. I can tell he's been thinking about that for a long time. <laughs> I mean, how was that 30 minutes gone by? And he's like, I got, there's no way. He, he, <laughs> I can't let him get that If out. there's anyone in the office that gives me flack about not shooting a wild bird, it's Andrew. Well, he's my boss. He can do that. I suppose. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. What are you hoping to capture on video for our members to see and our, our partners? Well, um, I don't know. I guess last year we did a uh, obviously out in Montana, and that was gorgeous. The scene was set for me. It was easy to point the camera in direction and capture that picturesque like aha moment and um this show be a little bit different like there's so much that goes into just from what i've found out since i've started to pheasant hunting that it's not just the places you put yourself in but i mean watching those dogs work and you know just from an observer not having a gun in my hand and being able to see it all mm-hmm. go down firsthand is just is just really cool it's so different than any type of hunting that I've been around, you know, big game, big game, especially is just all I, all I know. But being, uh, being able to see those dogs work, that's like my main focus. And I love what they do. And I think it's, you know, it's the most useful tool in the field with you guys. And it definitely shows. It's a completely different perspective being a bird hunter from a, a big game hunter when you add a animal partner to the mix, doesn't it? For sure. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Logan. This yes, is uh, this is number. What do we determine? Five for you. Five. Uh, what do you hope to to accomplish this year? Um, I, you know, Jake and I kind of live in the in the same world. They're out in the field. Um, I kind of dual purpose as as a photographer, hunter, um, dog handler. So busy doing a lot of things. But I th- I think for me, um, you know, the main goal for me is to bring back a ton of visual content um, mm-hmm. that we can infuse into a lot of our marketing efforts and magazine. Um, a lot of the social media channels moving forward. So that'd be my, my ultimate purpose on the trip. Um, I would also add, you know, having a, a safe trip is, is obviously a huge component. I mean, everybody's, um, super 
conscious when we're out in the field um you know that that stems down to our dogs and mm. keeping everybody including the dogs safe um you know 2014 we mentioned that trip um we had bob with food poisoning the first day or two mm. um so i took a hunter out of the equation we had sick dogs i mm-hmm. think every every dog on the trip got sick that year yeah um so you know that that's kind of a little nugget that i've um taken away from past trips too is when we we go on these road trips and um travel we're we're always aligning a a vet i think that's important to know um, it's a great point having yeah. a vet yep. in your destinations because if something goes wrong exactly. you want to be able to find we've used a vet on multiple occasions exactly yeah so you know i'd, I'd throw that out as a tip um, for anyone listening and um, anthony had a great facebook post here i don't know a month or two ago um, on what he carries in his um, game bag you know when it comes to his first aid kit so somebody did call me out on that too they're like that's just way too much stuff and i'm like just wait till it happens to you, buddy. Well, <laughs> you know, and Logan brings up a good point about just the safety because from the outside looking in, Rooster Road Trip is all all fun, right? And, you know, when you consider particularly years where we've traveled multiple states, you, you get up, you hunt all day, you write a story or edit video or sift through photos, and then you have anywhere from 100 miles to some cases we had like 500 miles to drive to the next destination and you get up and do it all again. And it's not rocket science and it's not breaking rocks, but it's not, you know, it's not the, you know, the quintessential bird hunting trip where people are sipping brandy at the end. You know, it's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a a lot of hard work and um, there are some safety concerns. So it's being prepared. Um, So that's a good point. Um, Anthony, what are you, what are you looking forward to this year? Well, it just on a, you know, a personal level, and I, I kind of talked in my intro just, you know, how I feel. I feel like a pretty lucky guy having this position, doing, you know, they're, they're doing what I'm able to do and, and being a representative of Pheasants Forever. And we're going to tell some cool stories. You know, we didn't even really get into the the projects and how we do what we do, and mm-hmm. that's the goal of the trip. So I encourage you know, people to, you know, we're going to share that story. I mean, the organization is just so big and there's so many facets and it's fun to kind of condense it into a week and capture people's attention and show how, how we open up land, conserve land permanently. And, and we'll do that in, in the third week of October. Um, you know, p- just personally, it's like, I may have said this on a previous, uh, episode, but I, I have two bird dogs that are based, you know, one in its prime and one entering, you know, kind of like just on the cusp, a little more work to do. And, I, you know, I've been through dog injuries. Um, you know, my, my dad's dog just tore its ACL. So I'm just, I'm just going to savor it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know how long it lasts. So, um, I'm working, but I'm going to just try to enjoy that too. Uh, cause you just, you just never know. So that's, that's kind of my, my personal, uh, my, you know, my personal appeal to myself. And then, you know, the fun thing, I guess the fun thing about it being a celebration in South Dakota is that, I mean, yeah, the bird numbers are I mean, it's the top pheasant state, mm-hmm. but then, then what happens around that, like I said, you know, when, when you meet a guy from Pennsylvania and people from Florida and Missouri, and there's probably Democrats and Republicans, and these are kind of like, right. Like we've talked about just the, the, the times that we live in, people are just, there's so many things that, you know, kind of separate us and it feels like that. And at least, at least in where we work and in that week, you know, pheasants forever conservation, upland hunting, it's a celebration and it, you see what brings people together. It's mm-hmm. a binding thing. Um, and he, you know, even within that, it's like, 
you know, like all the dogs we have, I mean, I'll have, I'll have spaniels. We've had spring, you know, English cockers. We've had, we've hunted with people with springers. Emmy has a flat coat, yellow labs. We've hunted with black labs. We, we've been on previous trips with monster landers and, um, small monster landers and wire haired pointers and, um, English pointers and English setters. And it's like, everybody's got their own thing, but we're all coming together to enjoy one thing. And Mm -hmm. it's, it seems like there's fewer and fewer things in the world that do that. And that's kind of cool to just be a part of something that like, yeah, I mean, we want to show success, but at the end of the day, you know, you're in South Dakota during pheasant season in October, like where else would you rather be? And if you're at work, I mean, what else would you rather be doing than not working and following the rooster road trip? (laughs) So I, I mean, that, that's just, uh, Hey, I mean, I, I'd like to pheasant hunt till I'm like in my eighties, but you know, you just, it, it, at some point you just, you can't help but look ahead and think like, well, I better, you know, who knows how many of these you get to enjoy. So we get to enjoy this and it's a pretty cool deal. Um, and, and South Dakota, um, is a great host and that, I mean, I'm not saying you can't, you can upland hunt in other States, but that sense of celebration just is I think it's unequaled in South Dakota. And so it'll be fun to be kind of part of that just atmosphere that you get in the first week in the pheasant capital. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and to kind of, hopefully some of that uh, excitement translates over to people uh, watching from home or people that are going out later in the month or in November um, in December for their late season hunts and good luck. Have well, fun. Well said. Uh, yeah. Really well said. You heard it here, folks. Uh, follow along roosterroadtrip.org that's the website where you'll be able to see the collection of everything going on but follow along also at on our web um, at pheasants forever's facebook page instagram feed uh, twitter and we'll have videos we'll have photos we'll have blog posts everything happening and then this podcast also um, the guys will be guys and gals will be podcasting um from the road on rooster road trip and Please uh, uh, look for the membership offer at roosterroadtrip.org. We, we, we have some really cool incentives from Browning, uh, including that opportunity to win a Browning Satori 725. Um, thanks to all the sponsors that make Rooster Road Trip possible, including the presenting sponsor, South Dakota. When you turn on this podcast next, it will be Rooster Road Trip 2018 opening october 22nd and that will be live uh hitting the airwaves for you to listen to this has been on the wing with pheasants forever and quail forever we'll see you on the rooster road trip coming up next